this podcast is dedicated to helping you find your trail to a happier, healthier you by discussing topics like self-improvement, business, health and beauty, and random thoughts about life from a Christian perspective. I'm your host, Tasha Johnson. Are you enjoying the Hustle and Faith podcast? If so, please be sure to rate and leave a review. Doing so will help others discover this podcast. Thanks again for your support. It is very much appreciated. Today's episode is the last part in a two-part series called Cheers to 40 Years, the advice I'd give to my 20-year-old self. So last week, I discussed advice about life. This week, we're going to discuss business advice I would give to my 20-year-old self. So once again, I'm speaking about my own personal experiences, but I know my audience, so I'm fairly certain a lot of today's advice is going to resonate with many of you. So here we go. The first piece of advice that I would give is that a college degree is not magical. The higher education system has done a phenomenal job in brainwashing people into thinking that you can't experience success without this little sheet of paper, and it's just not true. I learned more outside the classroom than I did at college, and that sheet of paper is not a substitute for hard work and determination. Plus, due to the insane amount it costs to go to college, many folks are foregoing college and companies are finally starting to realize that, you know what, maybe we could have more folks to choose from if we get rid of this requirement. And so as you get older, you're going to see that that requirement is going to I have a feeling it's going to completely go by the wayside. And many of the major corporations out there have already started to not make college degrees a requirement. And so once again, I'm talking to my 20-year-old self, right? This practice has especially picked up due to the labor shortage and is quite frankly long overdue. So companies who wish to keep up with the times and open up their talent pool are going to be rewarded with creative, with creative, dedicated employees. And just because someone wasn't able to pay or take out a loan for that sheet of paper doesn't mean that they won't be able to do the job. I know so many people who are working in fields where they don't have a degree in that field. So for example, I know some folks that are working in marketing that have a liberal arts background or you know, um, you know, maybe medical or engineering or whatever, they're not in that particular field. What should dictate whether someone is a good fit is do they have a good attitude? Can I teach them? Are they reliable? Soft skills are what they're called, okay? But if you ask me, those are some of the most important skills that need to be in a potential employee. Because that is what's going to help you figure out if that person's going to be a good fit for that particular role. Plus, even if that person meets all of the aforementioned qualifications, or let's say they have their college degree, they're still going to have to contend with the fact that the corporate world is one gigantic good old boys club. And that lesson was really hard for me to accept. I picked it up pretty quickly. 
that the corporate world was one gigantic good old boys club, but it was difficult to accept. Okay. So there have been many conversations, contracts, deals, and opportunities made in places that I wasn't privy to, like on the golf course or those folks hanging out amongst themselves. It's going to be extremely frustrating because you're a hard worker, you're good at what you do, yet and still, you're going to end up working for people who are a couple fries short of a Happy Meal, all right? (laughs) You will hear a variety of excuses as to why you didn't get that particular promotion or raise. It is what it is. Just smile and nod and take comfort in the fact that this job funds your life. It's not your life. Due to how the corporate world is set up, you're going to have to get really good at determining whether your ideas are an entree or a leftover. So that brings us to point number three. Is it an entree or a leftover? And so I know a lot of people are probably scratching their heads. What in the world does that mean? So I, my background is in marketing and I'm You know, I I know this is going to sound pretty arrogant, but I am really creative. So I'm constantly coming up with ideas. Bank account doesn't always match that. (laughs) So I'm not always in a position to execute all of those ideas, but I have a ton of them. All right. And so I've gotten pretty good at classifying my ideas by using this terminology. Is it an entree? Meaning this idea is fantastic but I want to be the one to execute it, okay? So those are the type of ideas that I either keep to myself or I give those ideas to, you know, whichever company that I'm working with at that time. So if I decide, okay, you know, I'm super passionate about this particular idea, I want to do it myself, I classify that as an entree, all right? If it's something that I'm like, oh, you know, this is a good idea, but I'm not necessarily like totally in love with it, that's considered a leftover. And I'm going to be honest, a lot of those leftover ideas, a lot of people, when I've shared those ideas with whichever company I'm working with at the time, many of them consider it an entree. So it's like a win-win, right? So I'm, you know, I'm doing my job, bringing stuff to the table. But here's the thing. It's not one of those things where I'm just like completely in love with that particular idea. Because here, what's really crazy in this, here's what's really crazy. A lot of my leftover ideas, if a company goes with it, it ends up being a hit. Like, Tasha, this is fantastic. You know, this is a great idea. Thanks for sharing this, blah, blah, blah. All right. But more often than not, Sadly, many times those leftover ideas, which are good ideas, okay, but again, based on my classification, it's not something that I'm super passionate about, so, you know, I'm cool. I'll give it to the company. Many times those are low-hanging fruit ideas that I think are just completely obvious, but yet and still, I bring those to a company and it either gets shot down because the person that I shared it with, they're upset at the fact that they weren't the ones that shared the idea, right? They didn't come to the table with the idea, so they can't um, 
take credit for it, or the company just isn't as innovative as they say that they are. So hopefully those two things make sense. So again, I've gotten really good at the ability to discern whether or not my ideas are an entree, which is something that I'm super passionate about and that I want to execute. And here's the thing. Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes there's an entree idea that I have and I'm like, you know what? This company, I think they're really forward thinking. Maybe I could share this idea and this might, you know, lead to something else. The whole point of this lesson is to have discernment. Figure out which ideas to keep to yourself. So whenever you reach a point in your life where you're in a position to execute that idea, that could be your own business idea, that could be a side hustle idea, that could be, you know, your ticket to, if you see fit to, you know, possibly move up within the company, whatever it is. But that is an idea that you are passionate about and you want to execute. A leftover is, you know what, this is a good idea. If I'm the one that leads to charge to making this idea come into come to fruition, great. If not, that's fine too. So you have to get good at figuring out what type of ideas are worth keeping to yourself and what you want to share is the whole thing. But regardless of how you go about classifying your ideas, you need to be able to speak up for yourself. And that leads us to point number four. Many times you're going to be in an uncomfortable situation, okay? I've been in many situations where I've just gotten used to being comfortable with being uncomfortable. If you're very passionate about a particular subject and you try to share your opinion about that subject, what kills me the most, especially if someone asked for your opinion, <laughs> you may, that person may not like your response. It didn't come across the way that they wanted you to have it come across, uh, the way that they wanted it to come across. And so, you know, you may get into unnecessary arguments with people because unless you want to live your life as a doormat, you need to be able to defend yourself. Okay. You have the right to share your opinion, especially if people are asking you for your opinion. You have the right to share your ideas. That's what people are hiring you to do. You're not a robot. Yet and still, you will come up against people who, um, you know, charge you with unfair uh, stereotypes, okay? So like the angry black woman or things of that nature, just because you decided to defend yourself. And all I'm saying is you have every right to defend yourself, especially if someone's making you upset or angry. We're human beings, okay? Now, I'm not saying go out there and cuss people out, all right? (laughs) There's a way to say things. But what I'm saying is if someone upsets you, you have the right to defend yourself. And anyone who tells you otherwise is basically trying to get you to relinquish your power. And that's not right, okay? So... Make sure that you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And what that really means is be able to defend yourself at all costs, okay? So when you do defend yourself, 
I'm going to be honest. It's going to be scary the very first time that you do it, but it does get easier as time goes on. And I think one of the main reasons that it gets easier is because once you realize, and again, to each its own, but once I realized that the corporate world is basically a gigantic good old boys club, you're not going to focus on getting a seat at the table because you're going to feel more empowered to build your own table. That leads us to lesson number five, okay? So don't focus on getting a seat at the table. Build your own. So many times I just got frustrated with trying to kind of, if you will, do the right thing, (laughs) which is, you know, being a good working, uh, good hardworking employee. And, you know, when you get passed over for promotions and things of that nature and you're doing the right thing, and hitting all your goals and milestones, you're kind of like, okay, you know what? What is the point of this? And so I quickly learned to focus on the fact that this job is funding my life and it's not my life. With that said, I really have taken all of that frustration and all of that energy that I was at a certain point trying to climb up that corporate ladder until I realized I did not want my ladder leaning against the wrong wall. And I used all of that energy to focus on my passion projects. Okay. So that is my own table. So, you know, after work, that's my time. You know what I'm saying? Like I take that time to work on my passion projects. So doing voiceover work, doing this podcast, um, working on some other projects that I can't really get into. (laughs) Um, And then just making sure that that I have a well-balanced life. That's what it is. If I'm going to spend all of this energy, all of my blood and sweat and tears working on a project, I want it to be my own table. I'm not going to sit up here and play Jedi mind games trying to figure out office politics And then nine times out of 10, still not get a seat at the table because it's a good old boys club. You know what I mean? So all of that energy is going towards building my own, my own brand. I, and I do talk about that in my other, my, my little mini consulting business is starring you. So I talk about how you should create your own brand right? Be your own brand. So I help other folks that are trying to figure out, hey, how can I do this podcasting thing? How can I do X, Y, Z in terms of business? Because I've worked in a variety of capacities. And so instead of focusing on getting a seat at the table, view yourself as your own brand and build your own table. Again, diversify. What are other things that you are passionate about that could possibly bring in additional income? If you just allocated a couple, you know, maybe an hour or two, a couple hours after work, trying to get that off the ground, that's what you need to be focused on, okay? And the way that you can make sure that you have time to do that is by lesson number six, protect your sanity and your time (laughs) by creating boundaries. Now, this lesson is probably going to rub some of your coworkers the wrong way. (laughs) And what I mean by that is 
a lot of people feel compelled to attend these team building events, these virtual happy hours, going to happy hour. Oh, we've got to do this and that, going out, doing all these lunch activities and things of that nature. Yeah, it, it, it is not my jam. And I am not about to feel bullied into participating into something that I know is going to, one, make me feel uncomfortable, two, bore me to tears, and three, and this is equally as important as one, it's taking away time that I could have used to work on something that I'm passionate about that's actually going to get me somewhere in the future. So I do. I am very stingy with my time. Like I, and I mean no disrespect, but if I know that we are not going to have a lot in common, I'm not going to put myself in an uncomfortable situation because all day I feel like I'm on, right? And I pretty much am on all day. (laughs) After work, I just want to relax. I want to relax. That is my time. So if you think that me not doing enough during the eight or nine hours and Many times I've worked extra overtime, but I don't make a big spectacle out of it. But if that's not enough for you and I need to play these office politics and I need to show my face at this team building event and that and and that virtual happy hour and this happy hour, then just count me out. (laughs) That, That sounds exhausting. I would much rather have my sanity and use my free time to work on projects that I'm passionate about and that are going to take me to the next level. That's what I'm going to use my free time to do, okay? Especially when I know that the odds of me being able to climb that corporate ladder and really break through the good old boys club, it's just not even worth it to me. And the odds of me making it are slim to none. So I'm not even going to play, right? Which is another reason why you need to continue your education. And that's lesson number seven. Continue your education, even if your company doesn't pay for it. I have never worked for a company that actually paid for me to take continuing education classes. Not a workshop, not a boot camp, nothing, okay? And believe it or not, these companies supposedly paid for your tuition, but... um. Unfortunately, the folks that I was working underneath did not really see the value in doing that. So they didn't approve it. And they had the power to do that. And anyone who knows me knows that I am very determined. (laughs) So even, you know, I try everything. I will go to my manager and be like, hey, I'm really interested in taking XYZ. Here's how it's going to help out the department and see what happens. Many times I've been shot down. And I think that's nine times out of 10, it's because that person that shot me down does not want me to outshine them. Or they shot me down because If I did outshine them, 
they don't look at the fact that I'm adding additional value to that department. What they're looking at is the fact that if she gets this extra education, she may leave. And that's going to make me look bad. And again, that me in this example is that particular manager that is turning me down. So with that said, I will never, ever have my success contingent upon whether someone is willing to pay for my classes, okay? Regardless of how much money I have to save in order to get that particular skill that I'm looking to gain, I'm going to do that, okay? Because I know the plans that I have. I know what God has put in my heart, and I know the skills and the concepts that I need to master in order to make those dreams come to fruition. Doing this podcast is, it was one of them. I had this kind of thought to do a podcast for a while. I just didn't know how to execute it. And so during the worst period of my life, which I discussed in the previous episode, I took the time to figure out, okay, I want to master this. It took my mind off of some of the situations that I was going through And at the same time, I was able to help out folks and teach myself at the same time. You know what I mean? So, and and that's just an example of how taking continuing education classes can help you. Now, that doesn't necessarily help a company. Other times I've gone to companies. In this example that I just used, I get it. Like, my company wouldn't necessarily benefit from the fact of me knowing how to create a podcast. But there have been other times where I've asked for continuing education to learn how to, you know, learn particular software so that I know would make my job a lot easier. But again, because most of the folks only knew Excel, (laughs) uh, which I obviously know, but I know that there's other tools out there that can make doing analysis a lot faster. You know, like I said, they just did not see the value, but you do. So make sure that you Put aside some cash, save up for those classes, and make sure that you take them. Because in the event that that company, you know, I I hate to say this, but and you've seen this throughout your career, in the event that that company goes down, most likely it was because they didn't keep up with the times, right? So by you taking these continuing education classes, that's going to put you in a much better position to get your next role. Which brings me to my last point. Know your worth so you know when it's time to bounce, okay? So many times you are going to be frustrated with being overlooked for promotions, raises, whatnot, and then you continue to amass all of this education. You know, That needs to be compensated at some point in time. You know, even though you're amassing all of this education, you're going to realize you're going to reach a point where it's like, wait a minute, I've learned all these different skills and I'm still reporting in to this person that's a couple fries short of a Happy Meal. A lot of this is not making sense. You're telling me that I'm not in a position to take on this more senior role, but yet and still you want me to train someone else that you hired outside of the company for this more senior role. Things like that, when they don't 
make sense. You know what I'm saying? Like make it make sense. It's not going to make sense. So when you see yourself continually in that situation and you try to move around within the company, you're not able to do so. You gotta, you gotta cut your losses. You gotta know when it's time to bounce and Knowing when it's time to bounce doesn't just boil down to the fact that, you know, I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get that raise. Yes, it plays a role, but you need to make sure that you have a decent exit plan. (laughs) And what I mean by that exit plan is that I'm not saying like, be like Beyonce and, and just up and quit your job, you know, based on that break your soul song. You got to have an exit plan that makes sense, okay? Make sure that you are in a position to actually make a more graceful exit. And I do understand there are times where you're going to be laid off that came out of the blue. I'm not talking about that. But if you know that, you know what, it's time for me to move on, then you got to make sure that you're doing everything in your power to make that exit less painful, okay? So make sure that you have the skills to go to that next position that you really want to go after. Make sure that you know how much money that particular position makes. So when you go to negotiate, you know, you don't undercut yourself because I've seen that happen many, many, many times. And I've actually been in positions myself where I was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe I did that. You know, this position should make X, Y, Z. And then you need to make sure too, is it flexible? Because with me, I'm all about a work-life balance. Like it does not make sense for me to take a $200,000 job. I'm just throwing that out there. And then I'm working myself to death. That makes no sense to just work, 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 work. And you get no satisfaction in return in time, in terms of being able to really enjoy yourself. I know people who have not taken a vacation in years and I'm just looking at them like, that's insane. Like that, that's not life to me. Life to me is being able to pay my bills, right? Like enjoy myself, pay my bills, have a peace of mind and be able to sleep and making sure that I have done what I can to help other people to achieve their goals. I really do take pride and enjoy helping people achieve their goals. You know, it, if I can make someone smile and give them knowledge based off of my past experiences, that that's gold to me, you know, that really is. And so, yeah, you really need to know your worth. So when it's time to bounce, you do it. So there you have it. These are the eight pieces of advice that I would give to my 20-year-old self regarding business. In the event that you missed last week's episode, be sure to check out episode 184, where I give myself advice regarding life. I am super excited to see what this decade has in store for me, and I look forward to you joining me on my journey. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy listening to Hustle and Faith and would like to support the show, please consider sharing it with your friends, rate or leave a review, donate, or make a purchase at Starring You Crew, our fitness apparel shop. Remember, if you're everything to everyone, the risk being no one. 
You never know who you will inspire. See you in the next episode.